offer yourself to other people and people are going to offer themselves back. I mean, you have to have connectors, you have to have mentors, and you have to be able to offer what you have available to what you can offer to other people, you know, supporting people and their goals, and you're going to get back tenfold. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast. People, leave me a review. I have not gotten a review in, I don't know, since last year. I'll stop begging if you'll just give me one. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, our guest this week is Amy Hopman, Chief Process Officer at Land Information Services. Amy, I don't think I've ever had a Chief Process Officer on the show before. <laughs> it's the strangest title. We're real big on strange titles around here. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, very- when we decided on that, I was like, nobody's going to know what I do anyway. So. <laughs> Let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry. All right. So kind of straight out of high school, my mom was working for a really small oil and gas company. I say small. I mean, we had about 100 employees and called Mustang Fuel Corporation. Okay. And I got a job there as the receptionist and, you know, a great family owned, had been in business, I think then like 50 years company and, you know, they just kind of took me in and I just kind of started doing different things for the land department, you know, helping with mailings or filings, different things like that. And I was just really naturally curious. And so I would like beep up into the geologist's office and they'd show me their rocks and let me do this and let me play with these things. Tell me all about them. And then, you know, slowly land started kind of letting me do a little bit more thing. And I don't think we even have these anymore, but I became like the land secretary. (laughs) I had that position at one time. I was a land admin assistant. (laughs) Yes. And then, you know, lease records needed some help. And so they kind of started like teaching me some things and leaning into that a little bit. And eventually all of a sudden I was the only lease analyst that they had. And so it was a great learning experience because it was cradle to grave, which rarely happens anymore. And so I had to, you know, just kind of learn everything from the ground up. I had some really great mentors and, you know, like I said, I was just naturally curious and the whole company kind of leaned into that and let me kind of learn things. And so I got to see kind of big picture oil and gas, which was a huge blessing. So that's really what my start was. Well, that's great. Let's talk about what happened after that. So I had been there like 15 years, kind of worked my way up to seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of had gone through some system conversions, got to participate in some of those things, kind of helped start cleaning up some of their mineral records and just really kind of expanding my scope a little bit and had a lot of experience with payments. We had a lot of payments, federal and Indian payments, and I really enjoyed that. Knew a lot of people. I started participating in our OCAPLITA, the Oklahoma City Lease and Title Analyst in like 2012. And it was super small, no, 2002, excuse me, super small organization. They needed some help. I wasn't even on the board, but, you know, people just kind of took me in and 
I was just willing to do whatever. And so I met a lot of people through networking. Networking has been a huge aspect of my career. And so I met some people from Chesapeake and they're like, hey, we need some help with these things. Why don't you come talk to us? I'm like, no, 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 I'm happy. And then a little bit later on, hey, would you come talk to us about some things like here? You know, we really need some help on minimum royalties and federal and Indian payments. And like, okay, well, I finally started talking to him. So, you know, I made the jump. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, I've been here forever. Nobody leaves Mustang. It's a great place to work, but you need some new experiences. And got over there. It was complete culture shock at Chesapeake. I mean, this was like- Oh, I bet. This was like, I mean, super conservative, small family. You know, the craziest thing that ever happened was they threw me my bridal shower and the ladies thought it was hysterical that they threw me a lingerie party. And I was <laughs> mortified. I mean, that was the oh. craziest thing at Mustang. But so then I, you know, go to Chesapeake, complete culture shock. You know, here I am short and dark hair and not tall and blonde. And I don't look like anybody else I felt like. I mean, that's not true, but this <laughs> is the way I felt. But really just, you know, got some really great opportunities. And, you know, they were offering me some really great training classes. I was taking some, you know, leadership classes. And, you know, I saw a big gap. And I was, I moved over into land administration and, you know, started out just as doing payments and then royalty and just kind of, you know, kept just always taking the lead on things. You know, I think you can lead from anywhere in your career. You know, it didn't have to be title driven. And so I started teaching some classes because I felt like there was a big missed opportunity. You know, people just setting up owner numbers didn't know why they were setting up owner numbers. You know, you can't make payments if you don't have owner numbers set up. You know, so I just started teaching more kind of cradle to grave classes and ended up with like, I don't know, four kind of subgroups underneath me by the time I left. The 2008 or 2013 layoffs were pretty hard on me and I was managing a lot of people and I was just like, you know, this probably corporate life isn't for me. So I was going to try and find something small and, you know, an independent, more entrepreneurial spirit kind of place. And so I called Wade and I'm just like, hey, you know, I know we've never really worked together together. We worked closely and we know people who, you know, each other. I know you from the association. And so he's like, hey, well, let's talk. And so I came to Land Information Services in 2014, March 2014, and just kind of my career here has just been super organic. And I tell everybody that whenever you hire, I mean, you can make your role here. I mean, you just work hard and lean in and invest in the people and the vision. And all of a sudden I have this goofy title. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been a really fun, interesting ride here at LIS because he started out the company just as, you know, doing some management consulting and, you know, people were like, okay, that's great, but who's going to do the work, you know, that you're yeah. proposing. So, so he hired a few analysts and he had like a little access database. And when I came on, they had one lease records client and Jim Shaw was like, I am not a lease analyst. We really need some help. So I kind of took over that role and managing the lease records stuff and, we started developing software. I mean, we actually had something on some flyers or something somewhere that said, we are not a software company. Well, it turns out we are a software company. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> well, if anybody wants to know who Wade Brawley is, yes. I want to go back to episode 70. I interview him in 2019. That's been a minute. So Yes, it has. Well, we've grown a lot since 2019. Our software has really taken off. Our outsourcing has really taken off. Y'all have a brand spanking new office. That's gorgeous. Beautiful office that I was super blessed to take a big part in the 
design and furnish and stuff. Wade kind of let me, he and I had a great time designing it. And Drew keeps saying, we need to do a podcast and video podcast on the office and let you people kind of walk through the vision of it. Cause it's definitely designed around our culture and very open and transparent and collaborative. And so there's a lot of aspects about that we're very intentional to kind of drive our culture a little bit. Excellent. So let's talk about exactly what you do now. Well, I wear a lot of hats and my main job, which probably is the least time consuming for me is I manage all of our outsourcing. Mm -hmm. So we have a few landmen, lease records, division orders, and owner relations that we do for land vantage clients. They don't have to use our outsourcing to use our software, but it is a service that we provide. And so we have about 55 clients, I think, on our software right now, but that's growing rapidly. And I think we outsource to maybe 25, 30 of them in different capacities. So I do a lot of the onboarding of those clients into our BPO team and kind of introduce the projects, get them onboarded, kind of manage the people. So resource-wise, people resource-wise, that's kind of the biggest headcount of our business. We're kind of up to like 84 right now. And I think about 50-ish of them fall under the BPO team. Okay. So I do that, but I also contribute a lot to the design of LandVantage. So the functionality, the design, the business rules around it, the validations behind it. I help our implementation team with conversions, kind of code mapping, testing falls under my group now, different things like that. So, Well, I think your title is very fitting. <laughs> it's, we don't know what she does, just whatever. Well, it's processes and that's yes. something I'm very familiar with because, you know, my background's regulatory compliance yeah. and those kind of go hand in hand. And the difference sure. is land handles all property, regulatory handles operated property. So y'all's job is so much bigger than what, you know, regulatory has to handle. So yeah, it's been really interesting. And, you know, a lot of my time really drives into the people and the culture and stuff here at LIS. That's important to me and the client experience. So I'm very client facing and, you know, so I do a little bit of everything. Somebody asked me the other day, kind of what your time allocation is. I was like, oh, it depends, you know. Whatever yeah. fires, whatever fires are out there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what would you say leadership is to you? Leadership to me is connecting people and elevating them. I feel really strongly about elevating people, pushing them outside of their boundaries and supporting them, making sure that they feel valued and trusted and that they trust me. You know, I have to be trustworthy to lead them. That's really important to me. One of the big things for me right now is kind of being a connector. I feel like I'm at a spot in my career where, like I mentioned, networking has been vital to my career. I mean, through Ocaplita, Nalta, you know, relationships I met at NAEP, you know, different things like that. That's been really critical in my career. And so I want to help connect people and elevate them. Those are kind of my big leadership pushes for me right now. All right. So what's the hardest part of leadership? I think the hardest part is you always have to put your best face forward. You know, it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. You know, what kind of stresses are happening at work? This team needs to see me every day putting, you know, one foot in front of the other, head up, chin up, smiling, moving forward. So, you know, just being that face, I think is maybe being on all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds exhausting. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's energizing, but exhausting at the same time. If that makes sense. Like I was trying to explain to somebody about going to Nape and I was like, I love it. I love to see everybody. I love that all of the networking, you know, and that's like, but by the time I get home, I am done, shut down. I need a couple days of just, yeah. but yeah, I feel the same way about the leadership, you know, whether it's through our associations or here or places that I volunteer with, you know, super energizing, but then I'm also kind of slightly introverted too. So I have to take that time for myself. And I think that's why we're friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't it a crazy combination? It is. People don't really understand it, but that self-care when I'm done is super important to make be able to energize myself back up. Right, right. I mean, I went out for Mardi Gras and by the time I got home, I was just like, I am done with people. Yes. I'm not going to the store. Mm-mm. I'm going to go hide in my room. Yeah, I'm a big bath taker. So that's my place where I'm like, okay. Yeah. Quiet. It's my spot. Everyone knows to leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> So if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? And our audience is anywhere from people starting out into the industry, people not in the industry, and people like yourself, executives. I say be vulnerable and put yourself out there. I mean, offer yourself to other people and people are going to offer themselves back. I mean, you have to have connectors, you have to have mentors, and you have to be able to offer what you have available to, what you can offer to other people you know, supporting people and their goals and you're going to get back tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to be vulnerable these days, you know, with everything that's going on. I'm preaching that everywhere I'm at right now. I think after the last two years, I think it's super important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, you know, the gap that we're facing now in the industry, Mm -hmm. the age and just, you know, I mean, we're in the month of Women's History Month. So, you know, as a woman in the industry, yeah. I mean, how difficult has it been for you? You know what? I've been super blessed. And I have had very few instances where I have felt like it was an issue. And I'm usually, you know, in my role and sitting down with, you know, VPs and CEOs. And I'm sadly usually the only woman at the table. I mean, I'm the only woman on our executive team and but it's really not been that big of a challenge to me. So I've been really, yeah, I've been really blessed. So I don't know what to attribute that to, but I have been really lucky. And so I've never been afraid of my voice. So maybe that's why, but I guess you never got that chance to be broken down in a way, right? 100%. I mean, and I think kind of growing up in the industry in that small oil and gas company. And it was, I had a lot of supporters. And so I was never really exposed to anything that would kind of break me down at that point. So, I mean, there've been a few little instances here and there, but I think by the time I got to a space where I could have been more broke down, I had kind of built that self-confidence and, you know, stuff that yeah. it's, it's really never affected me. I've been really blessed with the men that I work with. I mean, highly respectful, you know, very courageous men that, you know, treat women with dignity and respect. So, and that money. <laughs> <laughs> so what book influenced you the most and why? Oh, goodness. Gosh, I read a lot. I don't know. Wow. That's a hard question. I love so many books. Well, you can name more than one. 
been reading a lot of, you know, self-help business books and stuff of late, yeah. but, you know, bits and pieces of them here and there to speak to me. There was one book that really struck out to me and that I kind of read multiple times. It was called Culture Code. Have you ever heard of it? I feel like someone else has said it on the show before, but. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was really good. And I thought some of the really interesting things about it were, you know, this guy would go into different cultures, whether it be, you know, basketball teams or, you know, Google or, you know, different groups of different sizes. He went into, you know, some military units and he was looking at the teams and the dynamics of the teams. And there were so many different places in it where, you know, what is it, Greg Popovich from the San Antonio Spurs? I mean, he seems, you know, comes across with this cranky old man, but his teammates love him. And he's very direct in his speaking to them. And he's really big on feeding them and like having those big family meals together. And food is my love language. So that was one that struck out to me really closely. But, you know, these great big meals, you know, they would lose a championship. And he's like, everyone wants to, you know, go back to their hotel rooms and feel sorry for themselves. And he's like, no, we're having, you know, pouring the wine, celebrating what we did. I just really loved some of those stories, but that culture. That's encouraging. Oh, it was so encouraging. And, you know, I think meals and I feed the people here a lot. A lot of the reviews from our reviews, people are like, be prepared to gain some weight when you work here. Duly (laughs) noted. I'll be visiting (laughs) soon. (laughs) Come to Oklahoma City. You will eat well. But yeah, that was one of the things I think, you know, meals together really join people together. It's that connector. Yeah. And so despite what's going on and he just forced it. And so I think those were really cool things. Another one of the things that he did that was seemed so thoughtful was his coaches. They would go out to dinner all the time. And at the end of the season, he put together this book that had all of the menus and wine labels from all of their meals together through the season. And I was like, Oh, that's, oh, that's so thoughtful. Thoughtful. Yes. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's so thoughtful. It's really funny. I was going through some stuff the other day and my son used to play football in high school. Well, since he was little, but I saved every ticket from every game. We went to, I put the score on the back of it, who they played, what the end result was. And he was just like, whoa, this is amazing. I can't believe you did this for me. That is amazing. Yeah, in that book, just pulled it up. There's build safety, share vulnerability, and establish purpose. Those are the kind of the three main skill sets of it that it's talking about. And just, I encourage you to read it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to add it to my list. I have a stack of books I'm supposed to read. So, <laughs> <laughs> stack another one on there. <laughs> I know. I'm telling you. You're in a software company. What's your most used business tool? <laughs> Teams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you on that one. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I can hardly get to my email because, you know, I manage a lot of people remotely too. And probably at least over half of my staff is remote. So I do a lot of Teams messages, Teams meetings. And, you know, so I yeah. don't get to my email quite as quickly as I should. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to even get into <laughs> email. <laughs> the listeners already know it's not my favorite. Yeah, me either. So, <laughs> so who would you say is your most respected competitor? Oh, wow. I really like all. So because of my participation in Nalta 
and I've done a lot of the conferences work and I've kind of gotten to know all of the competitors and I try to like really be friendly with them. I like them all. I think, and it's really interesting because there's one guy at I mean, at Nate, he comes around and has the same conversation with me every year looking for software. These are my needs. I can, and I'm like, well, Hey, have you talked to so-and-so? Have you talked, have you talked right. to Penel? You know, they've got a really good GIS. I know GIS is important to you, you know? And then, so I walk him over and introduce him to people. So I don't know. I mean, I think all the software companies, you know, have some pros and cons and, but I do hate that word competitor. I think there's enough space out there for everybody. Well, healthy competition is. Yeah, fine, healthy competition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't like serve everyone exactly no. what they want. So no, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we probably come up against Landox and Quorum the most right now, but. Okay. And they're usually at NAPE too. I don't know. Yeah. You're always in the same spot over by Total yeah. Land. And yeah. Oh, I love her. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> Yeah, Melissa Jackson's awesome. Yeah, she is. She's one of my favorites. But I know if I find her, I can find y'all real quick, too. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I know she came over. She's like, I was hoping we'd be right beside each other again. And we gave somebody their name, you know, late last year. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So what is your most important lesson learned? That I can't do everything. That's probably one of my biggest weaknesses is that I want to do everything and I just can't. Is that from being a mom or from being? I think it's from being a mom. I'm also a pleaser and uh, I, want, yes. I want everyone to be happy and I want everything done. You know, every one of our clients, I want to, you know, help relieve stress off of weight and take things off his plate. I, you know, I want to make sure, you know, my family's taken care of being a mom and that's just kind of my natural bend, but especially the older I get. And, and right. I kind of yeah. had someone ask me the other day, you know, where do you see yourself in like five years? And I'm like, oh, I hate that question. I was like, but, oh, I I do too. Actually, <laughs> but I have actually, I told him, I was like, I have actually thought about that because I do love to do everything and I know I can't do everything. And so I tried to like nail down like three things that I'm really passionate about and all the different things that I do. And so that is definitely something I've had a hard lesson learn and, you know, feedback that I get from, you know, the guys, Wade, Jim, Drew, and Joel all kind of give me that feedback. You can't do everything. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, eventually it's not good work. Yeah, for sure. And then I'm hard on myself. So, right. And then the perfectionism comes out, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, why is your role now important to the future of the oil and gas industry? I think outsourcing and software efficiencies are really driving our industry right now. And that's one thing about LandVantage and part of my role is that we build in so many efficiencies that you can do more with less people. Yeah. And so, especially like you said, we're having that gap in the industry right now. I mean, I see it in Oklahoma City a lot. People have left the industry after all the layoffs and stuff. And so hiring is getting a little bit tough. I'm still needing to hire people, but they're getting harder and harder to find. And so... And outsourcing, especially with like the PE groups, they want to keep their headcount small. And so they want efficiencies in their software and they want outsourcing. And it may be full outsourcing or it may just be project work. And so being able to manage that is why I think my role is super important and will continue to be super important. Yeah, because I mean, technology is the future. That's it. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I can see. We're constantly investing in the software. I mean, 
we have client roadmap wishes. We have our own roadmap wishes. I mean, you know, and especially with land vantage, the whole goal is to have one place for the land group, land lease records. You know, there's audits, there's workflows. I mean, it's just the efficiency that it drives. Yeah. And cleaning up everybody's bad work. <laughs> yes. yes. We definitely do a lot of that in the conversion. I think that's another benefit for us is that we do have this, you know, BPO team here that can identify bad data and help get it cleaned up as we're going into the system versus just data scientists out there pounding away and SQL and just throwing stuff in because bad data out is bad data in. Yes. No matter what system you're in. Yes. Gosh. So much. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your favorite podcast? Oh, obviously (laughs) y'all. 15 of them, right? I think we have 15 now. I really love Justin's. We did Justin's. Me and Jim did it together. And I really love his too. So I've listened to both of y'all's quite a bit, but just because I've met y'all. It was really funny when we got off. I got off of Justin's that one day I was like, this is a really random question, but do you know a guy (laughs) named Nick Williams? And he was like, yeah, he's one of my really good friends. I was like, he's like, how did you know that? I was like, you just reminded me of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I remember this. Yeah. Yes, it was so funny. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, that's actually the conversation we had when we first met yeah. in April last yeah. year. Yeah. yeah it was, yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Thanks again so much, you know, for coming on. It's always great to see you in person. Yes. And I hope I get to see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about land information services, how can they go about doing that? Absolutely. So our website is just an LISLV.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. And I'll put links in the show notes for everybody. So that make it easy. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank it's great you. to talk to you. Great speaking with you as well. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.